Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. sold out shows across the UK with the beat yeah and then I've just seen recently you were out going to be going over stateside with Rancid yep yeah, yeah. and Dropkick Murphys yeah how about that I know I know if anyone had said this time last year you're going to be doing that we'd go yeah 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 you know sort of another year we because we were just focused on recording another album yeah. which is now recorded um, and um, so yeah it's, it was uh, all a surprise really it's just kind of built on everything yeah. You've been working the stateside a bit, haven't you? Did you do Coachella? Uh, we did Coachella in 2013. Back. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was good. But then we didn't go back for a couple of years, did we? And then we went back last year? Last year we went back. Yes, yeah. Yeah, which is 2016. Yeah. And um, that was, we just did either club shows or theatre shows. So we started in New York and sort of flew everywhere, didn't we, through Denver and then down the West Coast kind of thing. And then we ended up with a big um, uh, festival in Mexico, which is a good territory for us. I mean, Mexicans just go silly. Do they? Yeah. Dance yeah. party vibes. Yeah, no, I mean, it was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. amazing. 
you know, it's unbelievable. And, and there, there was um, scar bands from all over, mm. like Venezuela. And, wow. Yeah, places like that. Yeah. Yeah, Argentina. Yeah. And, 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 and so, again, it was good just to meet up with everybody mm. uh, and just talk to everybody and see what they'd been doing and things. What are the promoters like in that part of the world? Because you do hear some horror stories. Yeah, you do. Um, we, uh, <laughs> well, you know, we've got a good agency and they right. really checked the guys no cowboys. and uh, and made sure that um, and I think they were thoroughly invested in us if you get my meaning yeah. before we ever stepped on a plane so that that was that 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 was cool in in, in that respect um, until of course we tried to get into Mexico now where was it no we were getting into America that was it and um, and someone sort of said um, oh, this is a bit strange coming into America but um, some Mexican people here have paid for your air ticket. <laughs> which they had you see because we were flying out of Mexico so they did the whole return thing and uh, and uh, and then you've got to explain to immigration kind of how that works because they don't I mean they know you're a band but I mean as far as they're concerned Mexican people <laughs> or Mexican promoters must all be slightly dodgy yeah and, is uh, this Trump era so or that, is this before it that it was just before, before Trump, Trump era right you know, I mean, I've, nobody could have foreseen that. I've been reading a lot of stories, particularly around South by Southwest in Austin in, in March, just, yeah. just gone, and how bands were just not being allowed into the country, even though they had the credentials and, mm. and mm. everything, because mm. it's just like, you know, the shutters are coming down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was, it was still a little bit like that, wasn't it? In, in um, I don't know, when we flew in, but I think it's far worse now. I think it's far worse now. Well, I guess you'll um, find out, won't you, in August? We will, yeah. But yeah. The, the rancid Dropkick Murphys connection, uh, mm -hmm. have you spent time on the road or toured or, you know, met those bands before? I've had Al on the podcast from the Dropkick Murphys and just that whole crew are such nice people. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that... Um, and I imagine the Rancid are as well. I don't know them, but I can yeah, imagine that. The, the guitarist in Rancid Leaf, what was Lars. his name? Lars, yes. that's it. Lars I always want to call him Lee Ferrickson. <laughs> He's terrible, isn't it? Lars Fredrickson, that's it. Um, oh, I don't know now, sort of, I don't know when, but probably earlier on in the 2000s or whatever, we did um, the Milkvig in uh, Amsterdam yeah, yeah. with his band, right? And Lars they and were the headlining, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he was just really cool and just sort of hung out afterwards, sort of backstage, and, you know, that was interesting. Um <laughs> And so I, I guess it's kind of come from that. I mean, they've been out um, here. I think they were out in 2016, and they were uh, with the Interrupters, and they did um, a whole such a good band. Though. Yeah, yeah, they are uh, a whole European tour and all the rest of it. And I noticed just on Twitter that they were doing too much pressure. They were covering too much pressure. Mm -hmm. So I don't know whether it was that that gave them the idea and they were all sitting around one time saying, hey, too much pressure, hey, let's, let's get them. You know, let's get the originals to come and do it or whatever. Who knows what goes through their minds. That's all right, don't worry about it. <laughs> Gaps' bag has just bleeped. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about those bands is they're real champions of the roots and the heritage of yeah. punk and ska. And I remember seeing Rancid one year in Birmingham, actually, and they were playing an all-day punk festival, and they are obviously a much, much, much bigger band than Coxbara, mm. but they were like, they're the the root yeah. of everything that we love. They're headlining. Yeah. And they went on and, I guess, supported Coxbara. Yeah. yeah. And it takes yeah. real... 
awareness and respect doesn't it to, to be a band at a yeah, certain level and go well yeah but without yeah. these guys there'd be no us well yeah no i mean I'm, I'm i'm with you there wholeheartedly you know i mean that's how we feel if we uh get the opportunity or past opportunities like to to go on with the scatterlights yeah um as far as i'm concerned scatterlights should always headline as far as i'm concerned like people like toots and the maytals and all yeah. those people should always headline um you know i think it's a bit tragic sometimes to uh, think that that um you know some of those people have come over here and supported other, other others um but unfortunately sometimes you get promoters who don't understand the history of the yeah. movement that you belong to and put the bills around the wrong way and all this kind of thing you know and then you can't quite sort of sort it as well as what one would want to and the fans as well i guess sometimes the fans don't perhaps know and I think what's great about bands like Rancid taking you guys out is that there'll undoubtedly be Rancid fans that have maybe never heard the selector mm. before. I hope so. It's always better to play, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, for past, uh, as I say, as we went to, on tour with other, other um, like, um, we were tour with Jules, and yeah, yeah. We, we sort of um, hope that we'll pick up fans along the way from Jules, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anything like that is good mm. for for us, yeah. Did you both do that George yep. Holland tour then? And the yep. rest of the band as well? Was it just you two and no, his band? No, just us two. And uh, now Jules does all things his way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he took on my radio Too Much Pressure, um, Secret Love, and uh, what else did we do? Um, um, oh, oh, Train to Scarville. Train, train, yeah, train yeah. to Scarville and sort of... Jules did and, and then you've <laughs> got like, you know, this big kind of horn section and well come orchestra almost behind you sort of thing and uh, and his brother on, on, on keyboards and piano and, and, and him on piano and it was yeah it was a bit of an extravaganza really and I think that nobody knew what to expect did they when That's we came right. out um, a lot of times you can see the, the surprise in the audience face no. And they'd get up and have to dance without having to be asked kind of thing. Because, I mean, everybody's, you know, a lot of people there of a certain age and things like that. But, yeah, there's a lot of young people too. He caters for everybody. So they'd all come in and they're all seated venues. We don't play seated venues ever. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was quite funny, really, wasn't it? Sometimes, sort of seeing yeah. those people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, who is that? Who is that? Um, oh, God. Who's the guy? Do you know the I Stedford we did? The one in Wales. Okay. Was that I have to say this off mic. That's okay. I changed the radiator. He's playing dumb. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it wasn't me, officer. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not like that. He's really famous. He's really famous. Um, he was captured. He was captured, and then he spent about five years chained to a radiator. Oh, um... What was his name? Oh, yes, uh, yeah, um... Terry... Terry Waite. Terry Waite, yeah. Yeah. See, we got there we in got the that. end. Oh, Terry Waite. <laughs> Terry Waite, he was in the front row, wasn't he? I thought you were going to say that someone was chained to a radiator at the show. No! I was like, oh, you heard Jules. that, you? <laughs> 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 No, he came to a gig. Oh, I don't know what it was, was to do but with the ice stick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was captured, yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. I didn't and know that it was... Yeah. <laughs> what, chained to the radiator? Yeah, you know that. Yeah, he was chained to the radiator for five years, wasn't he? I don't know. Schooling me. Wow. Yeah. 
Okay. But he's free now and enjoying concerts. Oh, yeah, yeah. he's been yeah. free since the early 90s. This happened yeah. back in the night, probably before you were born. That's why you don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, poor man. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's why he probably looks fairly miserable. That's up to scar gigs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we shouldn't talk about him like that. He's a very nice man. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> and, very nice. uh, and, but that is somebody you don't expect to see. Uh, your average scar audience. Absolutely. Kind of thing. So, yeah, it was all a bit like that, really. I was reading about one of your early shows. Maybe your first show in Leeds was it supporting the specials? Yeah, and F Club was uh, yeah. yeah. And was it like Iggy Pop and John John Lydon were in the audience? No, that no? would. Well, I don't know about Iggy Pop. No, I don't know. But but John Lydon definitely came and saw us mm. at Hammersmith Palais. Hammersmith. Yeah, um, and that was uh, it was a benefit gig. Linton Crazy Johnson was there. The Modettes were there. The Specials were there, and we were there. Um, and John Cooper Clark was there. Amazing. Although somebody dropped out, I, it might have been Linton. I can't remember now. So we got bumped up the bill, sort of thing. So that was always good. And um, yeah, and John Johnny Rotten, as he was known then, he was in the audience. I don't know about Iggy Pop. Was he at that stage in that kind of notoriety whirlwind period? Yeah, I, I mean, I remember being in the audience, and I mean, it was actually ran that night. I remember uh, not being, yeah, and, and wandering around, and I sort of saw him fleetingly, you know, sort of an orange barnet kind of thing, and, <laughs> uh, and doing whatever. Um, and I know you didn't seem, I mean, obviously he was attracting attention, but yeah. not in the unwanted attention, if you know what I mean. I think people were quite respectful in those days that he probably ripped their head off and do something down their neck <laughs> if, if, if they bothered him so I wasn't about to do that but yeah that was that was a little frisson of uh, whatever um, could you tell me about some of the early two-tone and punk shows and try and paint the picture of what the crowds were like because I gather there was a lot of tension and division at that time amongst the subcultures and amongst like mm-hmm. the races as well mm. um was it pretty hairy? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's um, pretty much as it is now. I suppose you find yourself on the street amongst a load of EDL supporters. <laughs> it was a little bit like that every now and again. A couple of weeks ago in Birmingham, yeah. indeed, yeah. indeed. Um, yeah, it was awkward, but I, I think too much gets made of it sometimes by the media uh, from those times. Because it's, it's a really useful sort of peg to hang everything on, isn't it? That skinheads are all racist, skinheads are all this, and... And all that kind of thing, you know, and mods and blah, blah, blah. They don't like each other either. Um, and that wasn't really in the main how it was, was it? No, not at all. It was, it was yeah. just there'd be pockets every now and again. Yeah. And yeah, there's the famous one of, what was it, Hatfield Polly or whatever, where we all had to be smuggled out or something like that because it was kicking off. But, but um, as, as I've always said, there's loads more um, racists and fascists walking around in normal clothing with full heads of hair I'm sure than there are skinheads who are doing that particularly these days um, so I, I don't really buy into all that we were young this whole country in those days was pretty racist um, because they weren't used to immigration um, and it wasn't just sort of immigration from the Caribbean it was immigration from you know Ugandan Asians were here Kenyan Asians had, had come and, and, and all of those things and so there were successive waves and people just 
you know, were feeling very jingoistic in this country. It's an island kind of, you know, mentality and all those things. They're feeling as though they're being invaded and with the help of people like Enoch Powell, of course, and Rivers of Blood speeches, you can then rock this all up to uh, be an incredible kind of invasion of hordes from, from wherever, which couldn't have been further from the truth really um but uh you know when two-tone came along obviously those things were being played out in society and a little microcosm of that was probably our gigs and that was great i mean that was uh, a very fruitful way to to uh well, a fruitful medium to be creative in yeah. and to talk about those things and talk about those issues. Um, it was different than, say, you know, turning up to a Rock Against Racism gig where everyone's all on the same side and patting themselves on the back for not being mm. racist. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to be in there. I'd like to be in there, you know, see the colour of their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you stop... Um Go back to what you, the, the original question about the uh, early gigs and so on. The first, um, one of the things, um, going back to what Paulie was saying, all this um, racism and prejudice, but there used to be a programme on, on the television called, is it um, Look Here? Look Here, remember we appeared on there and when, when, when the stage got invaded after... The, oh, then, yeah, 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 it was a Birmingham I mean, programme. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it was made yeah. in Birmingham, yeah. Yeah, and um, mm. that sort of um, set a, you know, because it's for the first time that um, that uh, like um, ordinary people come on the stage and everybody was just enjoying it, said black, white, anybody. And um, I, I think that um, sent it home to me that what was happening with the, the two tone front. Do you think that the 80s kind of derailed that movement to some extent with the, I guess, the shiny sort of synthy pop which just obviously infiltrated and dominated? The market because there was a brief period wasn't there when socially conscious music was popular and top of the charts and and then I guess it moved into that more Duran Duran Human League kind of does that make sense? Would you say that's fair? Well, it does make sense, but it's, it's somebody at some point in time in any era of music is always making some some kind of music that has some social message to it. Uh, whether it's at the top of the charts or not at the top of the charts, to me, is irrelevant. It's whether it's out there and whether you know certain sections of the population have access to that or know about it or any of those those kind of things. Um, so you know, the eighties happened. Well, yeah, where's Duran Duran kind of? now I mean sort of you know not until we're rancid I'll tell you that well exactly I mean, well <laughs> they're still doing their, their usual thing and probably counting their money somewhere yeah. and it's still kind of you know they've got a yacht in Rio or wherever it is or, <laughs> or the things that they do but they do, they'd have done that anyway kind of thing you know um, do you not but, think that when music is popular though it's reaching more people it, well of and course so- it's reaching more people um, then, but then, you know, what can you do about that? As a band, you can't do anything about that. Um, it's reggae music should reach a lot more people than it does. It did have a brief moment, didn't it, in the spotlight with um, Bob Marley, who took it kind of international. But then, I mean, the whole thing kind of got sort of taken back again, didn't it? Yeah. And uh, and turned into less big kind of movements, you know, dance hall and all those kind of things that sort of came after it. Um, but... I, you know, you, you can't let that, 
that bother you? Obviously, you want the biggest audience that you can get, but you can't make people listen to your music, can you? All you can do is make the music that you feel is truthful about what you feel, your particular perspective on it, you know, and the other people's uh, in the band's perspective on these things, and um, hope that someone wants to put some backing behind that, you know, because there's no point having a band if nobody's prepared to market it or or do any of those things, you know. We're not that not that stupid <laughs> what's the main preoccupation with this new album then are there certain topics and themes that are close to home and personal and what's informing the selector in 2017 exactly the same so what not exactly the same things because obviously the world has moved on but i mean i think you can safely say that sexism and racism is still here um arguably um, in a worse form than they were in 1979. Well, as you say, you could almost spot the racist or mm. the sexist outright mm. then, whereas now, as you mentioned, it's a lot more duplicitous yeah. and manipulative yeah. and subtle, yeah. and that's yeah, more, sort of yeah. well, more dangerous. Not subtlety, well, not, maybe not Trumpy subtle. boy, is there? I mean, you know. <laughs> well, true. <laughs> I mean, he either wants to build a wall to keep out the Mexicans or, or, or you know, sort of drop a nuclear bomb or some such thing on, but, so, on, on but he's North president, Korean. isn't he? And that, I mean, I guess it's not acceptable because that's completely the wrong word, but it's obviously a lot of people are backing that school of thought because otherwise these people wouldn't be in positions of power. And that's incredibly terrifying, isn't it? Yes, it is very terrifying. I think that they've been um, promised a crock of shit, basically. And because there is nobody on the left or anything like that actually taking up the the um, the, the torch, as it were, to uh, lead anything on. Um, that uh, and not just that. I mean, look, we've got a, an entire working class that is has zero hour contracts. You know, or, or is living one parent families living under the cosh of the bedroom tax and all of these kind of things people accessing um, you know food um, places where they can go and get food because they can't actually can't afford food I, and here we are I mean this is what 2017 I find that absolutely extraordinary that we're in that situation um, how we've got here, I don't know, but I can only say that we've got here because all of those things that empowered working class people, say, in the 60s and things that, you know, when uh, being in a union actually meant something, um, have uh, all of those rights and, uh, and uh, you know, the ability to be able to strike for better wages and all those kind of things. People have just kind of sucked up this nonsense which has been peddled to them um, and uh, and just feel completely disempowered. So if some idiot comes along and sort of says it's them over there that's taking your jobs and, uh, and all take that. Take back control. Yeah, just take back control and, and, you know, drop the mother of all bombs on them and that should sort it out, shouldn't it? Well, that's about the most scary thing ever. But I think that people will wake up. People aren't stupid. They're just disempowered. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There does seem to be now a younger generation of people who are more progressive and accepting and less phased by people of a different skin orientation or a different, you know, sexuality. And I think that's promising. I think that's very promising. You know, um, it's we're now part of an older generation. I mean, you know, I'm twice your age. So you just got to wait for our generation to die off, basically. And maybe a lot of those ideas will just die off with them. Um, because there's no convincing. Uh, if someone has reached a certain age, yeah. there ain't no convincing them that racism is a bad thing or, you know, homophobia is a bad thing or, or, or any of that kind the of stuff. The die is cast. So yeah, the die is cast and there's not much you can do. Um, and they will probably vote in a conservative way and, uh, you know, consider that being part of Europe is not good for them because they like to go to Clacton every year because that's a nice UKIP place to go and paddle. I, I really don't know, but... I mean, that's the kind of, you know, vibe that I get. Um, and nothing fills me with more hope than seeing a younger generation who just hang like, you know, all kinds of different music and all those kind of things and um, don't seem to be burdened with the nonsense of uh, racism and sexism that our generation got burdened with. I guess the worry is just whether or not they're going out to vote, though, isn't it? Because there's almost like a... You're not going to fix anything with a ballot box. You're not going to fix anything with a ballot box. Um, you know, I can't think of any regime change anywhere in the world that has happened necessarily through the ballot box. If you want power, you've got to take it. And you've got to know that, you know, you're going to have to fight for it. And, um, and my hope is that young people, before our generation manages to destroy this planet, which is they're well on the way to doing that, um, I hope that they realise that. So you think that there is, and I don't want to take your quote out of context at all, do you think that there is almost no hope in the political system as it stands? I'm talking about the parliamentary system. Yeah. I'm not talking about, you know, a political system. Right. I'm just talking about okay. parliamentary politics. Right. We don't have any, we have what? a load of careerist people mm -hmm. who don't give a damn really about sort of, you know, the population. We're just numbers they crunch. Yeah. Um, and that's and left and right. Yeah. Yeah, um, to, 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 to a large extent. Um, and if somebody does stick their head up above the parapet, which, you know, we know who that is, possibly, at the moment, then um, it's you've got, what, Bernie Sanders, I suppose, in America, and you've got Jeremy Corbyn here. Um, but what whatever you may think about Jeremy Corbyn, at least he is spawning some young people through momentum and those kind of things to actually begin looking at what the issues might be 
I mean, who wants a bunch of young Tories running the country, for heaven's sake, you know? It's, um, what are you going to end up with? You're going to end up with Boris Johnson, um, which is uh, a fairly scary thought. Well, he's another one who parades himself as like an almost a harmless kind of clown, doesn't he? But be- uh, what beneath- buffoon would be the word that yeah. <laughs> springs to mind. He's not a buffoon. But I mean, that- for heaven's sake, you know, he, he edits and uh, uh, the, the spectator. I mean, that's not done by a buffoon, is it? I no. mean, he may peddle that kind of nonsense and, and all the rest bike, of it. But- yeah. Um, but I mean, if, if you want to see someone who is a proto-fascist, look at Boris Johnson. Um, because that'll be what's looking back at you in a mirror. Going back to the music, because politics can be draining. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the Interrupters. Are there any other younger bands that you look to and sort of admire and, and see them doing exciting things? I, I, either within guitar-based music or just from anywhere, any other ends of the, well, the, I mean, the musical we, spectrum? Because it's so kind of, music's so diverse now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, we've been out on tour a number of times, well, certainly and you can, twice with the I Tuts. I can imagine quite comfortably fit on a lot of different style yeah. bills. Yeah, yeah, you know, with an all-female band, uh, the, the, the Tuts, they're great. I mean, they, you know, they're into this whole kind of DIY ethic of kind of, you know, thrashing their guitars, being generally sort of whatever, <laughs> writing their own music, getting everything, you know, sort of... Um, I, I don't know, It's uh, that that's refreshing. Um, and like coming on an encore with us and just sort of skipping around the stage or yeah. doing Gaps' dance in the middle of... Uh, of yeah, uh, you know. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that's just great. That's just yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, nothing's more energising than that sort of thing. But yeah. I listen to a lot of different music and, and, and Gaps similarly, you know. And yeah, it's, I listen uh, to um, all kind of music and um, I would give, um, you know, a band a chance and I think, because mm. uh, in any genre of music, there's cream of the crop isn't there it's yeah you could just gotta yeah. find it yeah, yeah. so um, you know um, I listen to anything from Beethoven to um, Francis really. nice and everything in between yeah. um, from a performance side of things how do you find sort of touring because your touring schedule this year is looking insanely packed how do you find being on the road at this stage in your lives and you know still playing shows and maintaining that energy that you obviously set your stall out day one we're this high energy celebratory party band we never discussed it we never discussed it no African genes you know that's what you have to think about really (laughs) in a way you know it's uh, it's just like something that we know that we have to do you know and it just came natural there was no discussion at all we're going to go out there and do this and do that but so um, we work off that energy especially off each other so you still got that youthful exuberance driving well, the band. Yeah, I mean, I, in all the time that I've ever known Gaps, right, to my knowledge, we've never sat down and discussed, like, you do this and yeah, I do, yeah. do this or, or, or whatever. It's just like, you know, I, and that's how I look at other musicians. It's if they come on stage with us, it's every man or woman for themselves. You, you, you know what I mean? It's um, if if you've got the spotlight at that moment, you take it. If it's your solo, you take it, you know, because if you don't take it, I'll take it. And, and, and that's the general kind of feel and any of the permutations that this band has been through, we've always been like that. It's always been full on and out the front. And, uh, and this is what we believe, this is what we think. If you think the same as us, then great, we're going to have a party tonight. If you don't, it's going to be a fight and we're going to win. 
I love that. And I just think that that's the way that things should be. You know, I'm not there to entertain in that kind of sense. You know, we're not some sort of soft shoe shuffling fool or something like that. You know, put some sand down and and, uh, we'll tap dance for you. It ain't like that. You know, it's um, not only do we come to the party, but the audience comes to the party as well. And they come with a responsibility too, you know, to listen, to be engaged and all of those kind of things. And, um, and you can rock up in all kinds of out-of-the-way places and have great gigs, you know, like sort of nothing around but hills and sheep and have a great, great gig. Or you can do a gig in London somewhere, you know, the great metropolis and all the rest of it. And they'll be like, yeah, well, I've seen five bands this week, you know, entertain me kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you never know what's going to happen. And, and if you tour everywhere, then it's, it's really fun. I, I do still find it genuinely fun. Do you still get surprised on a like weekly or even sometimes daily basis? Well, daily. <laughs> <laughs> Is well, that part of the attraction and the appeal of still doing it? And yeah, when when you get to a certain age, I think that you know, getting up in the morning, you think, yeah, you know, like I can do this today and go and do a gig today, and, yeah. uh, and not know what's going to happen, and, and not know what's going to happen, and that, that's quite a good place to be, I think, at our ages. <laughs> if you've got if there's a gig day, then you look forward to the time that you're going on stage, like 9 o'clock, 9.15, and you say, yeah, this is it, because or, or, it, each and everything that you do during before that time... It's just a lead-up to yeah. that, right? So, um, yeah, so I, I sort of look forward to going on stage. Does there come with that a sense of boredom or frustration at all in the day? Because there's so much waiting around on tour, isn't there? Or have you, obviously, because you've been in the game so long, you've learned how to occupy your mind in healthy ways? And I don't know how people, could, you know, I don't know, give me a laptop these days. I'm never bored. I used to get bored, you know, not knowing what to do or, or, or whatever when you were... But then, I don't know, when I got to about early 40s, I suppose, I used to go running and stuff like that. And that was a tremendous way to, if you were on tour, just to see a city yeah. before breakfast. And uh, you, you could run all over the place, cause, you know, places where cars can't go. So you can get to know half of Europe that way sort of thing. And, um, and you know, then the internet came along and then, hey, you're never bored with the internet, are you? It's always really groovy things. Tell us about touring before the internet and trying to stay in touch with friends. Was there such a time? <laughs> <laughs> What, trying it, to stay in touch? Trying to stay in touch and, yeah, just trying... No, it's like hopeless a, on an American tour. I mean, you'd have to get sort of a pile of dimes about that big just to ring home, and then it would eat them all, and you'd get to say hello mm. to some poor, unfortunate partner on the other end, and uh, then you probably wouldn't speak to them for another three weeks or something like that. Yeah, that wasn't good. So you don't get any of that now, do you? That's good. Constantly connected. Well, yes, I, I have actually been asleep on Skype with my husband. He's fallen asleep as well. We've just woken up. So, I mean, it's like being in, you're not in the same space, but you kind of are. That's a bit strange, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's any negative or kind of scary side to technology? 
in the way that it infiltrates every level of life now quite seamlessly and people kind of accept and embrace it and allow it to you know constantly be there if you get on the wrong end of a troll <laughs> it can be you, collateral you know, damage it can there's a lot of collateral damage that and, and it isn't necessarily you that's said whatever is the offending thing um, it's yeah it's, it's really difficult and you do have to watch what you say um, in a way that maybe you didn't before and, and journal as well um, you know when, when journalists do uh, an interview with someone they can they can choose to leave out certain things of course they can choose to put things in mm-hmm. and alright that's a choice but you felt relatively safe with say you know things like NME and the people the young people who wrote for that and, and, and sounds and stuff but these days I don't feel safe in that way um, if somebody takes something out of context and then puts it on Twitter or something like that, and then, you know, we occupy a, a minefield. If you are anti-racist and you're anti-sexist and, and, and those kind of things, they're issues and they're hot issues and you're going to piss people off along the way. And uh, every now and again, you are going to really heavily sort of upset somebody. And um, and it's, as an individual, it's quite hard sometimes just to take that kind of... Um, Heat. Yeah, heat really. That that's all you can 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 say, and you just have to stop looking at it. And eventually, it goes away, and you learn that eventually, it just goes away. And, and hats off to a whole load of people, um, you know, journalists and that that I know who put themselves out there, particularly women who put themselves out there, like Laura Penny and people like that. And uh, and uh, I don't say happy. Nobody would be happy to get that kind of flack but take that kind of flack on a daily basis. You know, I'm surprised that somebody like Diane Abbott is still alive. Oh, poor woman. You know, whatever you might think of Diane Abbott as a politician, the kind of rubbish she has to put up with on a daily basis, it, well, yeah, shouldn't be allowed. It's very hard to engage in discussions with people online without people just going, ah, bashing their keyboards, do you know what I mean, and getting angry. Or like you say, they'll just take the one sentence Mm. from the entire Mm. conversation and go, this is the think piece we're running with. Mm. And journalism's almost become that. Because so many publications just rely on clickbait to drive traffic to their website, obviously, and then the advertising. So they'll just take, again, a completely out of context quote and go, here's the headline, we're running with this. So people just rage click it to read it. Well, I don't mind if someone just has a general grievance with something you said Mm -hmm. and is prepared, all right, you're never going to be able to solve something in a discussion that only has, you know, a certain number, a finite number of characters to be able to do that in. What does upset me is now it's almost like an industry, isn't it? Um, Particularly with the advent of all this Breitbart people and, uh, you know, with their paid trolls all over the world to kind of steam in and, you know, if anything is said about Trump or anybody that thinks says something about so and so and so then that's it then everyone their radar is turned on you um, that that's that's a difficult thing and that does not sort of um, bring about any kind of meaningful discourse between people that's gonna solve some situation but that's the world we live in and I mean like I say you know it's a fight isn't it and um, to you just have to use different tactics and get used to that that's what's going to happen. If you stick your head above the parapet now, you have to be prepared for it. It might get shot off. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the best thing about being in the selector for both of you two? The best thing for me is um, <clears throat> it has become sort of my boyhood dreams. 
um, sort of from listening to people like Stevie Wonder when he's in, in this like um, Sweden and you know, on radio and, and I thought wow one day you know and here I am doing it. Great. 40 years later. Yes. It's amazing yes, isn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. That's not me by the way. I think That's it's the computer. <laughs> Background. It's bleeping away. Um, <laughs> How about you well, Polly? It's um I don't know. I mean, I'm probably much more mouthy, really, than Gaps. <laughs> <laughs> so Gaps is like... just happy to be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy to, you know, to be doing what I'm doing, because as I said, it, it, it is a boyhood dream of mine. <laughs> it's and a... gratitude and humility is quite rare in the music industry, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And... Very rare. Yeah, yeah and, and as you get older, I mean, I, I think that's probably come home to both of us, is that um, not so much grateful but i'm i'm genuinely pleased that um that we can do what we do because on a sixpence your life can turn you only need to get an illness or a you know or or something else i mean falling over and you break a leg it's uh, you know that can what used to heal in 6 weeks might take 3 months or even longer or whatever to um and you never know what life is going to bring you so and um, until any of those moments happen i am very very happy to do what i do and um and i also just feel that you know, as as a duty, as as a as a female person in this world, that um, where the freedoms that I can enjoy are certainly not enjoyed by a whole lot of um, other people, either in other countries or even in this country. Uh, this country isn't exempt from those kind of things. Then I feel that to see someone who at least can get on a stage and within limits do what they want and say what they want is. Um, is something that hopefully will, you know, suggest to other women that, yeah, you can do that too. There's a long way still to go, isn't there? There's a huge way to go. I mean, you know, we're we're hardly even scratching the surface, really. But as you say, among young people, um, there is this, uh, a real breaking down of barriers. And I do feel that these days. Um, That, uh, and largely, a lot of that is done through music. Because with the advent of the um, iPod and stuff like that, there's just this whole smorgasbord of music out there that can just be dipped into. It doesn't matter from any genre, any time, anything. And all of that can be used and then channeled through the music that you want to make or the music, you know, that you might aspire in some other band that you think, wow, that's great, you know. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have some of that. So that is, is a way, I feel, of getting out ideas that um you know might be a little bit countercultural for uh, the particular times that we live in do you still think the album as a statement as a kind of a package a form of art however you want to call it do you think that that still is enjoyed in the same way because i know you're very much an album band and and you obviously take great care in not just the singles you release but the you know the collections of work do you think that with the ipod means of consumption that has kind of taken away some of that album from start to end listening that used to obviously categorize maybe 
I think it's interesting to see that vinyl sales have increased. Yeah, yeah, Certainly yeah. our vinyl sales, you know, I mean, we, when we put the last album out, Subculture, we never thought we'd end up in the vinyl charts in, in that way. And, and you're just thinking, wow, well, that's very different. I mean, nobody, even 10 years ago, you wouldn't have thought about putting out something on vinyl. Well, that format um, was pretty much gone, wasn't yeah, it, 10 years totally ago? Gone, yeah, it's totally gone. Totally gone. And, and everyone had got rid of the technology that allowed you to, so they're back to kind of, you know, rebuy it and all this kind of business. I suppose that's... Um, a growing uh, uh, um, thing, but I, I don't know. It's it's weird when you do an album these days because you think that if people latch onto anything, they'll latch onto one or two songs off it. They'll stream those um, or listen to it on whatever format they you know, um, iTunes or, or Spotify or something like that, and you'll get naught point naught 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 one penny for each of those streams. And uh, but you've got to live. Uh, we happen to be in the the fortunate position where right, we're not the hugest band, but we have a fairly solid name and people know what we're about, what we do. We've been around for a long time, and and if we put some tickets on sale, people will buy them and come and see us. Because that's where you make your money nowadays, yeah, right? Yeah, is touring, yeah. and and that's what I mean. We're in a fortunate position to be able to do that. If you're a young band and you're being streamed maybe a lot of times, it's still difficult to go out there. And I mean, someone was telling me the other day that if you're a young band, it can take six years or whatever to break an act now. You know, we did that in six months. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. You know, those times aren't... I'm not saying they're not there for some artists these days, but I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people who were around in that, at that time were probably doing it in six months. Yeah. Toto Quelo sort of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> springs to mind. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What's the other band from Coventry? Is it King? Oh, King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it was possible to sort of piggyback on other things that were going on around you, and you know, and basically leapfrog your way into the charts with a good song. Mm. You know, you might never be heard of again, but that was a good song, kind of thing. And and I'm not so sure that that's really with with all the campaigns that have to be started now, you know, just for it to be able to get to be listened to. that That's difficult. And people bootlegging your stuff and, you know, illegal downloads and, and, and all this kind of stuff. It's, uh, I just feel that the music industry is changing, but things change. We'd all be listening to crystal sets if it didn't bloody change, you know what I mean? I mean, on my radio, actually references a transistor radio no one even knows what that is now (laughs) Um, so let alone streaming and 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 what's going to be the next new way of looking at music kind of thing so you just have to go with the times and sort of take from it what you can and uh, but that doesn't stop you there's one thing that always remains a good song is a good song um and uh, you can dress it up in all kinds of ways but people tap into what's a good song so if you can still write some good songs then great fantastic thank you very much for your time Pleasure. uh looking forward to tonight the beat i mean how long have you known those guys now we actually met them here in this very venue in this very venue there was us um and john peel was djing that wow. night yeah he'd just come up from london just to dj and um, and the beat was supporting, so it's uh, it's yeah, come it's back around. Weird. That's yeah. amazing. No, they played weird. Slam Dunk Festival actually. Yeah. Um, which is, I guess, you know, more of a kind of young person's mm-hmm. festival, very mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. And they were on the stage that I was hosting, the sort of scary right. orientated stage. And just watching young kids, I think who'd for the large part not heard of them, mm. or certainly not heard their music, mm. just getting into it yeah. and being introduced yeah. to again the, the root. Yeah. of many of the bands that they enjoy yeah. 
Yeah. It was amazing to yeah, see. Yeah. yeah. And he's got Rankin Rogers, got his son on stage Absolutely. with him. Absolutely, I mean, Young Junior sort of, you know, adds a whole other dimension to it, which obviously wasn't around when when, when we were there. Dave Wakeling was there and yeah. stuff. Um, and uh, but you know, in essence, things haven't, you know, just everybody's older, <laughs> which is kind of cute in a way. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I'm looking forward to the show. Great talking to you. Thank uh, you, Matt. Enjoy your summer run in the US with Rancid and Dropkick Murphys. Cheers. I look forward to some stories from that when you're back. Oh, yeah. yeah we'll <laughs> <get some. laughs> Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.